amazing assignment. Being picked to see four-time Grammy nominee Jewel perform in concert at the iconic Riviera Theater in Charleston. 12 hours after the sold-out concert. And get started here. We met at Synchronicity in Mount Pleasant to talk about her mental health curriculum, Jewel Never Broken. Here's part of our conversation. We so enjoyed the concert last night and, and thank you for just being so generous with your talent and your wit. And when I was there in the audience and I thought, okay, she's she's a mom, she's a daughter, she's a sister, she's a friend, she's a singer, she's a songwriter, she's a poet, she's an author, and she's a comedian. <laughs> I love that. I mean, is that something that's always been a part of your nature, or is it just through the journey that you've learned the value of, of comedy and, and adding lightness to an experience? I think all my friends who have been through really difficult things have the best senses of humor because mm -hmm. if you're not laughing, you're crying. So you might as well laugh. You might as well find the humor in it. Um, I think God has a great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I do think it's probably what surprises people most about me because my songs are pretty serious, but mm -hmm. I'm not serious at all on stage. On stage, Jewel talked about growing up in Alaska on the family's 700-acre homestead with no running water, no heat, but her talent eventually leading her to professional training and eventually a recording contract, selling more than 20 million records, homelessness, debt at the hands of her own mother, and sexual harassment. Joel, I hear no bitterness when you describe some of the hardships that you've experienced. And just in, in reading your book, I don't hear any tone. I don't get a sense of that. And I see that you deliberately focus on what's positive. Yeah, you know, I call it, how do I describe it? You know, when you're hit, it hurts. And it lasts, I don't know, a second to get hit. The bitterness is the, the real abuse, and that's when you turn on yourself. And so, to me, the only truly rebellious act was to learn how to convert that one second pain so that it would go away. That's not denial, you know, that doesn't work. You don't get to be an ostrich and stick your head in the sand, but the alchemy of transforming pain into resiliency is the best F you that there is. <laughs> because otherwise you start abusing yourself. You know, if you let somebody else hurting you uh, cause you to be less loving, less kind, less resilient, less trusting, that's the real abuse. Um, and so I think just out of defiance, I started to learn <laughs> mm -hmm. how not to be bitter because that was like carrying the mark with me forever. That was letting them win. You already had a sense of that at a very early age to not be defined or to not be knocked down when something was challenging you. If you come from a background like mine, I had a great family, but also really, really abusive. And so the only way to be truly counterculture, to be truly rebellious, was to figure out how to get happy, because everybody in my family was unhappy. So that was the counterculture move, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess, for me. I moved out at 15. I didn't want to move out at 15 and think my life was over. It's a really depressing thought for kids to look at your surroundings, realize your nurture was really bad, and realize you're already neurologically pre-programmed mm -hmm. to become an addict or in an abusive relationship. Where's the power in that for a kid? And so for me, the power was, what if I could learn a new way? What if I could teach myself a new way? And that became my driving force moving forward 
it's why I wrote songs. That's what's hands and whole save your soul and all these songs are about. Um, and the other, that was just sort of the, the surface, the, the deeper work was learning how to convert pain, learning how to make a habit out of happiness. And it was a teachable skill, it turns out. It was a learnable skill. Some of the things that challenge us most are the things that end up being most rewarding if we are able to see it. So let's talk about why you decided um, to make sure that children understand in creating this beautiful platform in which people can easily access, with work, some tools that they can use to help themselves. For me, that daunting task of being 15, moving out, and wondering, was my journey already over? You know, was I neurologically programmed to repeat the same cycle? I called it emotional English. You know, I realized I had this physical inheritance that gave me a predisposition towards certain physical diseases. But emotionally, we have that same inheritance, and it's this emotional language that gets passed generationally, and that's how abuse continues. It's why, you know, obesity can not only be you know triggered in our epigenetics but also in our food habits and our emotional eating habits and so realizing like I was raised with this very specific emotional language that meant I would grow up speaking it was daunting because you can go to college to learn Spanish but you don't there's no college for a new emotional language and so I had to start piecing it together and figuring out things that worked for me and it did work and for some reason I was I had a talent for creating exercises that would neurologically help me rewire, starve old neural networks, build new ones. I didn't know those words at the time, but that's right. what it does. And so I wanted to see if that same toolkit could help other people that were in the similar, where the kids that fall between the cracks. You know, we don't have a supportive family. We don't have therapists. We don't have access to even school counselors or things like that. Like, are those kids hopeless? Do those kids get written off? What about adults like that? You know, there's a lot of adults that just think there's no help for somebody like them. And then, God forbid, you're an adult that does have access to psychotherapy and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Then you're really bummed out because the quote-unquote expert can't fix you. And so, for me, I was just really passionate about creating a toolkit that helped and could it help those people. And it turns out it's very possible. We work with some of the most complex um, at-risk youth that there are, you know, suicidal ideation, usual multiple attempts. Um, self-harming, eating disorders, anxiety disorders, and we've never lost a kid in um, 20 years. Um, and so it turns out there's a tremendous amount that we can do. Not that I'm against psychotherapy, I think it's great, it's just that if that isn't something you happen to have access to, I think we have to develop tools that work. Through life experience and listening to others, I imagine that was an important part of getting to this point where you could create this platform to help others. I think learning to go down and in we all want to start going up and out, especially in today's culture where social media is so important and the optics are so important. But again, by studying nature, I just learned that even a seed goes down and in, you dig down and in first. And so that's basically what we teach people do on top of a lot of skill sets is teach kids to go down and in and find this brilliant inner resource that I've never seen anyone not have. The things I came up with when I went down and in were really inventive and other kids are doing it too. They find things that work for them um, by going down and in, becoming observant and curious. They start to see ways of communicating things to help the other kids in the organization and you find a real inner compass. 
And I think that's really important. Um, I think we have a lot of things that teach us to find other people to be our compass, which is great. There's a lot of really great people to follow, but it's really important to have your own discernment, your own sense of that compass. When you say go down and in, what do you mean by that exactly? Um, it's, you know, a lot of us want to go up and out. You know, we see a great basketball player and they're getting all the awards and all the rings. We see the fruit on the tree, if you will. Um, and so we try and go for the fruit. But that's unnatural. It's skipping the idea of a root system, right? You have to go down and in. You have to go towards your anxiety, go towards your discomfort, towards your pain, towards your inner resilience, towards your inner, I call it your observer. So Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. I would tweak it to say I observe what I think, therefore I am. So if I can observe I'm sad, I'm right, I'm inside myself now, I've gone down and in and I can observe I'm sad, that's kind of interesting. It means I'm something other than sad. I'm the observer of sad. So if we can identify as the observer, whatever that is to you, um, you start to have this space between your behavior and you. You're not your behavior, right? You're not your job title, you're not all the things you can do, you're something other. Those are all the extension of what you are. And so the more we can get in touch with what you are, who the observer is, the more safe you are because you realize as you learned, like when your job was taken away, you got to know who you are. And you realize your job is just a side effect of who you are, it's the source. Um, and so when you get kids more and more in touch with their source, their, their natural intrinsic sense of self-esteem becomes evident, right? It's not an insecure, uh, what would you call it, entitlement, right? We tell kids, you can inherit the world, but we don't really teach them how to go down and in to find their own brilliance to be able to go take over the world. Um, and so that creates insecurity. So by, yeah, that going down and in, really figuring out who it, you essence, your essence is, mm -hmm. it's powerful because it's unique. It's your own unique medicine. Moving forward, Jewel, what can we expect next from you as if you know, our time is wrapping up? Um, Congratulations on the uh, album that's coming out in a few thank weeks. You. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes, I have new music out. There's a new song out right now called uh, Long Way Around. It's sort of about what we've been talking about. Sometimes it's the long way around, but it's the more powerful route uh, to embrace it. And I have new music, yeah, dropping on the 15th of April, actually. Well, congratulations. Thank this you. was so much fun. I enjoyed thank the concert you. last night. Love your music. It's an anthem for a lot of us. And we just continue to hope that you continue to do well and share your message. Thank you, it's likewise. Healing. Thank you yeah, so much. Appreciate okay. it. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk. Let's Talk is produced by Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time.